Good morning and welcome to St Anne's Egbert for our Sunday morning service. It's great that as a church we can still meet together during these strange times, be that over the internet or down a phone line. So please spread the word. If you're watching on Facebook, please do give us a like and if you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. That'll help others to find out about us. And if you've just joined us online since the lockdown, it's great to have you with us. We know people have been joining us from as far away as Canada and New Zealand. Hello to you. And if you live a bit closer to home in Egberth, we hope you'll be able to join us in person when the church building reopens in a few weeks time. Later in our service, I'll let you know more about when and how we're hoping to do that. Now, as we begin our time together, I'd like to read and open with some words from the Psalms. It's Psalm 145, and I'll read the first nine verses. It's called A Psalm of Praise of David, and he writes, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendour of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all and he has compassion on all he has made. Well, there's one word from verse three that really jumped out at me this week. And it's this, it's the word most. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. You see, there's lots of things in life that are worthy of praise, aren't there? Maybe when we do well at school or at work, when we encourage or help someone, or maybe when we hear a certain piece of music or see a piece of art that takes our breath away. There are so many things to praise in our world. And there are some things that are more praiseworthy than others, but there is only one who is most praiseworthy. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. See, God has done amazing things. You could look out your window at this world that he's created. All that for us to enjoy, that is worthy of praise. But there's one other thing in particular that the Psalms keep praising God for. In fact, the whole Old Testament and the New as well, something that is actually hard to fathom. Verses eight and nine, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. God is wonderful. And most wonderful of all is the way he treats us. We don't deserve it because at the end of the day, we're sinful. We make mistakes. We offend him and offend others. But because of Jesus, we can experience God's grace and his compassion, his goodness and his love. Don't really understand how he could want to do that, but he does. Isn't that wonderful? Who God is, he is most worthy of praise. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that you are indeed most worthy of praise. We thank you, Father, for what you've done, what you've created. But Father, most of all, we thank you for who you are, that you are full of compassion, full of grace, that you don't get angry with us the way we deserve, but yet you treat us in a good way because you love us. So Father, we pray that you would help us to know that more fully, to live out our lives in response to that as well, to trust Jesus more and more. And we pray, Lord, that we would do all of those things for your glory, not for our own. And we pray, Lord, that as we listen to your word being read this morning and preached on, as we sing your praises and as we pray together, that you would continue to show us more of yourself. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks, Tim and Liz. Now, you might be aware that churches are in the process of reopening their buildings. And due to our building project, we're not ready just yet. But we're putting everything in place to reopen on the 19th of July. That's two weeks time. There'll be three services, each about 45 minutes long. The first one at about nine o'clock in the morning will be more traditional in feel. And the second two at 10.30 and 12 midday, they'll be more contemporary. Each service will have some social distancing measures in place to reduce the chances of infection and to keep us all safe. If you'd like to come along to any one of these services, there's a booking system already in place. Just go to our website at www.saintannesegberth.com. That's www.saintannesegberth.com. And there's a link from the front page to help you do that. It's very straightforward. Uh, if you don't have internet access, please ring the vicarage or ask someone to book for you. Now, we're very aware at this time as well that not everyone will feel comfortable coming back to church just yet. So please don't feel like you must come or that you're letting anyone down if you don't. While it would be lovely to see everyone, we don't want anyone to be scared or anxious. There'll be some of us who are continuing to shield for ourselves or for a loved one. And there'll be some who are isolating due to symptoms. And then there'll also be some who just don't feel safe yet. So for those of you who can't make it in person, we want to continue to provide for you. And we're planning on streaming a video of the church service via the internet and also having the telephone line recording as we've done so far. We're getting internet um, connection installed in church and we hope to be able to do that live from the first service on the 19th. So please be praying for everyone who is involved in getting church ready so we can safely reopen. There are quite a lot of guidelines for us to get our heads around and make sure we do everything correctly. Well, now I'm going to hand over to Rob and Donna, who are going to bring us this week's Bible reading. Good morning. Today we have two readings. The first reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This reading is from Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 19. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling all saw stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, 
But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be with you this morning. Have you ever met someone who instantly has that air of authority about them? Someone who seems to be able to command a situation and someone who others instantly look up to. There's a few of those characters around, aren't there? I remember as a pupil over the road at St. Margaret's School here, there was a certain teacher who had that impact on people. He would speak and everyone in the class would listen. And it wasn't out of fear, it was out of complete respect. Because whatever it was, whatever this characteristic, this quality was, he had it. And I'm sure you can think of people in your lifetime who you've met that are like that. In our two readings that we've just had read to us, there are two men who have that characteristic, that quality. But these are two very different characters. First, there's Paul or Saul, as he was known at the time, a man who, uh, who wrote about a third of the New Testament. I absolutely love Paul. I love his writings. I love his passion for God. I love his unswerving desire to preach the gospel and the good news, whatever the cost. He's a man that many, and I'm sure, can relate to. Uh, because what we see in Paul is perhaps something that we see in ourselves. Paul didn't start out the way that we read about him in the New Testament. As the reading from Acts reminded us, he is the great example of a life transformed by the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. We first meet Paul before his conversion, uh, and his name at this time is Saul. And we first meet him when Stephen is being stoned to death in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And we read these words. It says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul was there. There is no better trained religious scholar or devout Jew than Paul. He'd been through the most rigorous training possible. He was a man feared for his authority and his passion. His passion in destroying this new faith of Christianity. 
He was vehemently opposed to the followers of the way, as Christianity was called at the time. Indeed, such was his passion against the, the way that he had built up this fearsome reputation as a man with power and authority to wipe out this new cult before it began. And more than that, he was given the authority to do so. And we read that in verse 2. He got these letters from the synagogues, i.e. the rulers and the leaders of the Jewish people, and the letters gave him permission to seek out any Christian and to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem, where they would be handed over and death would probably follow. So what happened? What makes this man who was passionate about killing Christians completely turn around and instead pour all of his passion and every fibre in his body into serving Jesus as a faithful servant? And to use the phrase from Philippians, to run the race with perseverance in the faith and living his life. For Jesus Christ. Well, what happened was he had an encounter, a real encounter with the other man of authority that I want us to focus on today. He met with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Acts 9 verse 3, we read this. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And what does Saul reply? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? I don't know whether you've ever asked that question. Have you ever had an encounter, a real encounter with the risen Christ? Have you ever been stopped dead in your tracks by the realisation of just who Jesus is and by the power of God? Have you ever stopped focusing on whatever it is that's pulling you one way and given your life to the Lord? Because it's when we give ourselves completely to him that things begin to become clear. Look at the response in the next verse, the answer that comes. Who are you, Lord, says Saul. What's the answer? I am Jesus. The realisation kicks in. For a short while, Saul is blinded by this encounter. And then we read in verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see. What could he see? Well, before he was blind. He was blind to the truth and to the power of the risen Christ. But suddenly, quite literally, everything now becomes clear. That Christ came to save sinners. That Christ came to take our punishment. So that through faith in him and through his grace alone, we are redeemed. But not only that, he came to transform lives. Paul's life was completely transformed by this encounter. And everything was suddenly clear. Which is why he can write with total confidence... I press on towards the goal to win the prize. I don't know what you deem to be the prize in your life, what it is you might be seeking. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you're going through or what you've been through. And it might be that things haven't been that great. But I do know 
that there is someone who understands exactly what you are going through, that understands exactly where you are in life. And this person wants to bring transformation into your life in the way that only he can. Has your life been touched by Jesus? Have you asked him into your life as Lord and Saviour? Because it's when we do that, that we meet the only one who has complete authority. The authority to change your life. Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 2, let God transform you into a new person. Let God transform you into a new person. Only Jesus has the power and the authority to do that. I'm sure you've all been asked that question at some point in your life. If you could meet anybody, who would you want to meet? I always come up with the same kind of stock answers for that question. Bill Shankly, Ayrton Senna, Valentino Rossi, heroes of mine, I suppose. But actually, you know, in reality, there's only really one person that I would want to meet. The author and the perfecter of our faith. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on him, Jesus Christ. If you want to live life to the full, a life as God intended, and to have a hope and to have a future, turn to him and let him transform you. And that's not to say that everything will be rosy from then on. Of course, life is still going to deal us some heavy blows. But one thing is guaranteed. You won't face those on your own. You'll have God's spirit, his presence with you, helping and guiding you every step of the way. How can I be sure to say that? Look at the, math, at the reading from Matthew. The last words that Jesus spoke before he left this earth. He said these. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And all we have to do is invite the Lord into our lives to be assured of that promise that his spirit will come and live in us. But a little, a little earlier on in that Matthew reading, Jesus also gave us a challenge, the Great Commission, as it's known. It's given to his disciples. And that means you and me. If we're Christians, if we've asked Jesus into our lives, if we've had that encounter with him, then we are his disciples. So this Great Commission, it's for you and it's for me. And it's given to us from the one who has complete authority to give it. It's the commission that Paul took hold of. And the challenge that sent Paul off around the then known world to preach the gospel. It's the mission that from this encounter with Christ changed Paul completely. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's some authority, isn't it? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's also some challenge for us to go and make disciples. I wonder, are you doing your bit? You see, I'm passionate about mission. I'm passionate about this great commission. I'm passionate about seeing people's lives transformed. 
just like Paul was. And seeing people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. As a church, we need to be a people of mission, with a heart of mission. How do you think the early church took off? Why were 3,000 people added to the faith on the day of Pentecost? Why is the church still here today, over 2,000 years on? Because over the years, his disciples have been filled with passion about God's mission and have been filled by the Holy Spirit and they've stepped out in faith and they've trusted in God to do the rest. It's one of the most exciting things you can ever do is to lead somebody to faith, to be a part of that journey, to allow God to use us in their journey of faith. But that only happens if we're willing to step out and to share with others. I wonder, when did you last share your faith with someone? Whether that's a friend, a colleague, a family member. When did you last talk about your faith with someone? It takes courage. It does take guts. But when we do it, God empowers us. God gives us strength to do it. And actually, it says in scripture that God will even give us the words to say if we trust in him. I've got loads of passions in my life. Um, motorcycles for one, football, just to name another one, and my wife as well, obviously. But I'm also passionate about the church. And so was Paul, which is why he wrote in Philippians, join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. It's so important that we meet regularly with other Christians with like-minded people, that we spend time together, talking together, worshipping God together, praying together, growing in our faith together. My desire is to see this church filled to the rafters. But in order to do that, we've all got to play our part. We've got to follow the example of those who've gone before us, We've got to allow Christ to change us from the inside out. And we've got to be filled with passion to tell other people. I wonder, are you up for that challenge? Because it's exciting, isn't it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul, for what we can learn from him, from his passion for you and how you used him to tell others. Lord, I pray that we as your disciples, that we as your people would be like Paul. Lord, that we would let you use us to tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ and that others would come to know you. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, we're the Browns. I'm happy to be leading prayers today for St. Thomas. Um, shall we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings you send us at St. Anne's and we continue to pray also for all our church family and friends. We continue also to pray for the families suffering at this time and we pray that you help them to know your peace and your love is there for them. We also would like to pray for the wardens and clergy as we try to work out how to safely restart services this month. 
We ask all of this in your name, Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Ian for this week's sermon and also to the Browns for leading us in prayer. Now, if you're watching this and it's still Sunday morning, well, do join us on Zoom for a catch up after the service. We'll be meeting there until about midday and people do pop in and out as they can. Login details will appear on the screen. And if you'd like to join us in person at church on the 19th for one of the three services, we'll head over to the church website to book a seat. That's stannesegbirth.com. But now a final blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Well, have a great week. Keep in touch and see you soon.
Oh, oh, oh.